Welcome to Honestly Haunted. to Honestly Haunted. This week, we continue our trip to all 50 states, and we're heading to Iowa to talk about the infamous Vasilla Axe murder house. This house was the site of an infamous cold case that claimed the lives of eight people on June 10th, 1912. This place was home to the Moore family. Josiah and Sarah were parents to four children, Herman, 11, Mary Catherine, 10, Arthur, 7, and Paul, 5. The Moore family was well-known and generally well-liked in the town of Vasilla, Iowa. At this time, Vasilla was a town of only about 2,500 people, but it was quite bustling. Train stops meant people pulled into and out of town on a daily basis, and as a result, business flourished. Supposedly, Vasilla meant pretty place, and for a while it was. Now, the town is more known for a gruesome murder. And there's a tale that instead of pretty place, Vasilla was actually named after a similar Indian word, Walliska, which meant evil spirit. (laughs) So let's get into this crime. On the evening of June 9th, 1912, Mary Catherine invited two friends, Lena and Ina Stillinger, to spend the night at her home after a children's day program at their church. The program ended at about 9.30 p.m., and they all walked home along with Mary's parents. They would have arrived at the home between 9.45 and 10 p.m. The next morning, the Morris neighbor, Mary Peckham, noticed the house seemed to be strangely still. Between 7 and 8 a.m. on the 10th, she walked up to the house and knocked on the door. She received no response and found that the door appeared to be locked from the inside. Finding this odd, she went and let out the Morris chickens, a chore she had noticed untouched. And then she called Josiah's brother, Ross, to tell him something strange was going on. When Ross arrived, he attempted to knock on windows to rouse the family. When it didn't work, he used his own key to open the door. He walked into the bedroom and saw two blood-stained bodies. They were the guests, Leela and Ina, only aged 12 and 8 respectively. Ross immediately exited the house and told Mary Peckham to call the sheriff. Hank Horton, the city marshal, arrived and found the remaining victims, Josiah, Sarah, Herman, Mary, Arthur, and Paul, in the upstairs bedrooms. Each victim had been axed to death and had their heads bludgeoned. Unfortunately, the crime scene quickly became contaminated. Townspeople flocked to the house to see what had happened, and it's said that at least 100 people had roamed the halls of the home while the investigation was taking place, and these were not law officers. So basically, the investigation was messed up from the very beginning. Eventually, the National Guard arrived and cordoned off the area, but at that point, who knew what amount of evidence was lost or tampered with? All victims appeared to have been asleep at the time of the murders, which doctors placed sometime shortly after midnight. All windows had been covered either by curtains or clothes belonging to the Moors. Interestingly, all victims had bedcloths over their faces, and it was determined that these these were placed after they had been murdered. Kerosene lamps that appeared to be disheveled were found both in the rooms of the Stillinger sisters and the parents, Josiah and Sarah. There were other odd things found in the home as well, including a plate of uneaten food, a pan of bloody water, and a piece of a keychain. The axe that committed the crime was found next to a slab of two pounds of bacon from the icebox. Lena was found with her nightgown raised and no undergarments on, leading investigators to believe that she was sexually assaulted. 
She was also the only victim with defensive wounds, meaning she was likely the only one awake at the time of her death. Two cigarette stubs in the attic implied that whoever killed these people may have been waiting for the family to fall asleep. Josiah's brothers confirmed that the murder weapon seemed to belong to Josiah and was usually kept in the coal shed. Additionally, they stated that it was a habit for Josiah to lock up the house from the inside before going to bed. This case was never solved. Still to this day, there is no person who we can definitely say committed this crime. Despite that, there were a lot of suspects, one of whom was even tried in the murders. Twice. We're going to talk about some of the most notable suspects. First, Iowa State Senator Frank F. Jones. Josiah Moore worked for Frank at the Jones store for years, but left open his own. And when Josiah left, he brought the John Deere franchise with him, making Frank extremely upset. Beyond that, there were rumors that Josiah had actually been having an affair with Frank's daughter. Oddly, though, Frank was never considered a direct suspect. Instead, Detective Wilkerson accused Frank of hiring a hitman named William Blackie Mansfield to kill Josiah. Mansfield was a good suspect for the case, as he was already known as a murderer. In fact, two years after the Vasilla murders, Mansfield murdered his wife, infant child, and father-in-law with, can you guess? Axe. <sighs> He was also a suspect in the murders of Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller in Colorado, only four days before the Vasilla murders. The murders were carried out in very similar manners, and Wilkerson believed he could prove that Mansfield was present at each site. Despite a case being opened against him, he was never convicted of the crime as he was able to produce an alibi. The other most widely agreed upon suspect was Reverend George Kelly. Kelly was a traveling preacher who had recently settled down in Iowa in 1912. Kelly was known as a sexual deviant and as mentally ill. He was invited to the children's program that evening and then caught a train early the next morning out of Iowa before the bodies were discovered. Notably, Kelly was left-handed and blood spatter experts were able to determine they believed the axe was swung from a left hand. Two days before the murder, Kelly had been spotted as a peeping Tom in two different Basilla homes. Years after the murders, Kelly was known to put ads in the papers asking for women to come be a naked stenographer and pose for him. An elderly couple claimed to have spoken to Kelly as he was getting the train, and he told them the gruesome murders that happened in town. How he knew this was suspect, as this was three hours before the bodies were found. Kelly continued to act strangely. A week after the murders, he posed as a Scotland Yard detective to get a tour of the murder house. In 1917, he signed a confession in which he wrote, I killed the children upstairs first and the children downstairs last. I knew God wanted me to do it this way. Slay utterly came to, came to my mind, and I picked up the axe, went into the house, and killed them. Despite this seeming like the end of the case, he later recanted his confession, and the couple from the train changed their story. Kelly was tried twice for the crime. The first time resulted in a hung jury and the second time, he was let free. Some people believed that the murders were an act of a serial killer in the area. During the Vasilla investigation, other similar murders were uncovered. Nine months prior to the Moore's deaths, a family of four were bludgeoned with an axe in Colorado Springs, Colorado. A month after these, a family was killed in Monmouth, Illinois. And only a week after that, a family of five in Ellsworth, Kansas, were murdered as they slept. These murders were thought to be the deeds of Henry Lee Moore, no relation to the murdered family. Henry Moore was a violent man convicted of the murders of his mother and grandmother. During his life, he split time between Missouri, Iowa, and Kansas. 
For a time, he worked on the railroad, which led to a life moving between these very areas where the crimes were committed. He was never formally charged with these murders. Unfortunately, the Vasilla Axe murders are still unsolved today. Despite many, many theories and potential suspects, it's likely we will never have the concrete answers. The house itself passed through many hands after this terrible incident. The home was often rented out, but tenants stayed for only short periods of time, always moving on quickly. In 1994, the Lynns purchased the home and began to renovate it. Uh, they used archival material to place furniture in the same places it would have been at the time of the murders and began to hold tours of the home. The building was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1998 and received a Preservation at its Best award. As far as hauntings go, there have been all sorts of claims within the home. Disembodied footsteps heard, items moving from place to place, voices, apparitions, shadows, and bad feelings. I'm not surprised that a place that had as grisly murders as this one still has bad vibes associated with it. <laughs> the home has pretty much been on every type of ghost hunting show you can think of, including ghost adventures and scariest places on earth. When you enter the home, there is a cork board for visitors to put evidence of their ghostly encounters so everyone can share in the experiences. In 2014, a really strange occurrence happened in the home. On November 7th, a man took part in one of the overnight tours of the home, famous as a dream trip for paranormal investigators. This man, Robert Stephen Larson Jr., arrived with a group of friends, but during the night separated from the group. He was alone in the northwest bedroom when he called to his group on their two-way radios for help. When they arrived, they found him on the ground with a self-inflicted stabbing wound to the chest. This happened at approximately 12.45 a.m., which is right in the time frame the Vasilla murders are said to have occurred. Larson was in intensive care for a few days, but recovered from his injuries. Were his injuries a result of some sort of paranormal experience? Many people think yes, though we were able to find one report that indicated he may have undergone some financial and health issues before the incident. One article claimed that he had to undergo medical help for damage to his frontal lobe after a series of many strokes. It's possible that this could have played a part, but Larson has not spoken out about the issue either way. The ghosts made him do it. I'm, I'm already Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's what a lot of people think. A lot of people think that the ghosts in the house had something to do with him hurting himself. Um... You know, it's it's a very famous haunted place. There's a lot of paranormal tours. You can pay to spend the night. You can go to day tours. Uh, obviously, the Lynns have, have as, as we said, put furniture in the exact same place that, that it was at the time of the murders. Um, so it's definitely like channeling everything, I think, it can to to be this, this haunting Good place. place. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, you know, some of the, the corkboard stories that people have experienced. Like, I mean, apparitions and shadows and bad feelings. Yeah, but it's it's not uncommon, like, to get bad feelings, though, once you know the history of the yeah, spot. Yeah, that, that is true. Like, there's, there's not going to really be people who go to this house without knowing the history of what happened there. Um... And, and so that's interesting. You know, I, I wonder if some of the renters were told about what happened or if they just knew. I mean, this is not a very large town. So it seems like 
it would be hard to not know about the house. Yeah, and it's probably it's probably was like one of those local legend, like not legends because it actually happened, but like stories that stick with the local population yeah. for a long time because it's like, it's not a big city. Yeah, that's what it's known for. It's known for it. Yeah. So you wonder how the stories are like passed down generation to generation and right. what is embellished or what's well, left out. I mean, I definitely think the murders themselves are so scary. Like the, the fact that there were cigarette butts that meant somebody might have been waiting for them in the attic while they slept. I'm also confused about it too. Like how do that many people sleep through those murders? Like that, that is confusing to me. How were they all but one asleep while everybody was being murdered? Like how? It it doesn't, it doesn't really, like the sound you would think would wake. Yeah. And plus like, I mean, I assume in 1912, not everybody had their own bedroom, you know, so. So how were people not, so it said that Josiah was likely the first one killed, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because he would have been like the the patriarch of the house, probably. The biggest and strongest. Yeah. But I just don't get how his wife could be sleeping next to him while he's bludgeoned to death with an ax and not wake up. Like, I know this is 1912, so, and, and, and. There's a lot more that we could do today, but I'm like, were they drugged? Was it like, I just, I need to know how that happened. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And, and also that they were like posed in, or are they the the cloth put over their faces afterwards? Which which... seems like maybe that's some kind of empathy or acts. I mean, like. Acting is so violent. It's so, and it's so personal. It's like stabbing someone. Like it's a very intimate, like act against another person well and and it was deliberate the way that all of the curtains had either their all all of the windows had the curtains drawn or clothes were put over them and so that's weird like of of the suspects who 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 sounds like the best suspect to you most legit well because like i mean the kelly guy the fact that he knew about it and like talked about it to to people through, but we don't know if that story right, was because the couple debunked. changed their story, which is confusing. But the other first guy had like, records. Yeah, he, he, Mans- he had already killed people with axes before. He killed his own family yeah, his with own an family. axe. Yeah, it's like mm, why did he get to go free? I know there seems it. It honestly seems like there's a couple of really good suspects for the case, and it's so frustrating that we'll probably never get. An answer. The true crime fans in us are like, Argh. yeah, it's like I need to know. Um, <laughs> but but thinking a little bit about like what's happened since. I mean, the people who currently own the home are are very much so like about the tours, about about the the history of it, about making sure that it is a house that looks like it did when that happened. Right. Um, I I I didn't watch the Ghost Adventures show uh, that that went there, but I mean, I'm I'm sure they. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Shut up, ghost! <laughs> I hate it when they do yeah. that. I'm I'm not a huge Ghost Adventures fan. Nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody kill kill me for for saying that. But no um, judgment. They, I feel like they try to yell at ghosts. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not into that. Strictly because we have like a no like engagement policy when it right. comes to this and stuff. And they're like, come out here, ghost. Talk, say it to my face. But don't talk to ghosts <laughs> like that. Well, also because you don't know even know it's a ghost. Like, I don't. There's stuff I don't want to mess with. Yeah. Why would I? Yeah. But I just don't get it. But also that the house was like marked as like a historical location. Right. 
which I guess, like, I, I don't know what it takes to... I, I've noticed that a lot of places we've covered have had that kind of, like, it's been put on a national registry or something, and I'm wondering what the... Criteria. Yeah, what is the criteria for that? I mean, this is a very small town, and it was a very significant murder. It was it was gruesome and terrible, and, and on so many children, which is just so yeah. sad. Six children. So, like, so And two sad. weren't even family members. They were just friends, like, right. visiting. Which which is why I think the, the senator one doesn't make too much sense to me, because it's like, sure, maybe that makes sense for why he would hire somebody to murder... Josiah. Josiah. But but if he hired somebody to do that, would that person then just decide to go crazy and literally murder Children everyone? And his like, wife. That, yeah. that seems like a lot, which makes less sense to me. I mean, George Kelly, he was tried twice. Um, oh man, I wish that, that we could have the records of those court hearings. Right. Well, then I also, I mean, Kelly is also probably good for it because it said he like had like sexual deviancy. In yeah. One of the- also, uh, I want to take a moment to talk about that like the fact that he put ads out for naked stenographers. First of all, what were they being a stenographer for? <laughs> like, what What was he having them type wait, naked? He was, he was a reverend? Like, yeah, a, uh, he was like a traveling reverend, so okay. he wasn't associated with Okay, so church. nobody had actually employed him at their yeah, church. Yeah, I mean, I think he, this was like a dude who went around preaching and like saying he was a reverend, but he clearly had a lot of issues. Yeah, no kidding. And, and so he seems... Good for, one thing I do want to say, so we mentioned that, like, uh, Lena's gown had been raised, and so there was suspected sexual assault. Things that I that I read said that, like, they've never determined that there was sexual assault, but it was, like, very clear from the posing and, and everything that, that there was at least intent of that. Right. So... That's interesting and also very sad. And defensive that, like, wounds on she her. She was the only one that... To me, that almost makes it sound like she was more of the target than the family. Right, which makes you wonder, like, was somebody watching them at that right. children's? Right, which, which Kelly did go to the to, that. to the program, so he would have known that, that that girl would be going to that house. house. And staying there for the night. And, and there were reports that he kind of became obsessed with children. Which, I I mean, like, I don't know exactly what that means, but... Yeah, but how did he get into the house if it was locked from the inside? So, so that was another thing, like, like, I, I think the locked from the inside is a bit of a red herring, because mm. I, th- I think it was like, Josiah was like, okay, everybody's going to bed, so I'm locking up, rather than... If someone... Had gotten in. So, so whoever did it must have been in before that happened. That's, they have to be, because they waited for them to fall asleep. Right. They broke in, or you know, they, if they broke in, they would wake up the house, and yeah. they couldn't have gotten in without 14. <gasps> I, still, I still don't understand how nobody woke up. I know. I genuinely do not understand how no one woke up. And that's the part that I think gives more credence to some of the, the paranormal stories, because it's like... That in itself is really spooky and it is. weird. Yeah, it's just and nothing weird. would have nobody stirred in the house. Yeah, and so the the paranormal investigator who stabbed himself in the in the middle of the night during a tour that that was that's probably like the most prominent story we found of the paranormal happenings. Like lots of lots of little stories, lots of things claiming like this is the most haunted place in Iowa. This is like a super haunted place. Um, Let's talk about like. 
the mental fortitude you have to have to actually stab yourself. Like that's yeah. not a common way. If, no. if, if I mean, I understand like he had shared, there was some evidence of him having some outside contributing factors right. to his mental well-being at the time. And there is very little information about this guy out there, which like is, I totally respect because like they, yeah. like people don't want to, to share things. He has not shared things. Yeah. So people don't really want their worst day ever right. documented for the world. But but I, I can't help but wonder, though, the paranormal side of it, because, like, stabbing yourself in the chest it's is... really hard. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not like I've ever tried or been no, interested, I mean, but it's same. like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like you're, it's like trying to drown yourself. Like, it's almost impossible, like, unless it's... Your instinct is to not your, do that. Your brain is going to fight you yeah. on trying to, like, you're going to push yourself right. up for air. If you yeah. can, like, if you can, your body is going to fight it. Your yeah. brain is going to tell you to fight it. So it's like... Even if he yourself. was mentally ill, it's like what what was going on that made him right do that. It's also interesting to me that he called for help on his radio right before that. Yeah. Like what what was he calling for help for? Was he like I see something? I'm scared. Or, yeah. I felt something. Or Ugh, or like again. I'm going to do something. Like what what was that call for help? Yeah, I I have to imagine it was like. It's something is telling me to do something bad right. or I'm seeing something it's like, can you just imagine though being like so unbelievably scared because you're seeing something so terrifying oh my and like God. all you can do is like push the call button on your walkie talkie and, and hope oh, that they yeah. wake up. Like that's, that's like, like that's it's true horrifying. horror. That's horror. <laughs> also, I've got to wonder why he had a knife in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people. I mean, I guess like this yeah, it obviously like, wasn't a huge knife. Right, if it didn't kill him. Yeah, it could have been know. like a Swiss Army yeah. thing or something. Or but he got it like from the kitchen. Like, yeah. Or... Why? Why was he carrying it? I don't know. Or what did he see that, that made him made want to him grab pull a knife? It out. Yeah. That's oh, all. lots That's, of questions. Yeah, so many questions. So many questions about this whole case and this but house. We talk a lot about like the power of energy. Like that's kind of the long lasting thread through all of these episodes is that the power of human energy, especially when it's very negative human energy, what it's capable of. It's lasting. It's lasting. Yeah. What is it capable of? How does it sway our minds when we're introduced to it and how we react to situations where we normally would do a logical right. A, B, or C. And it, and it but, potentially can make us act differently. But yeah, giving an alternate reaction to the world, it's it's baffling and scary. Yeah. So I feel like we've kind of, we've kind of t- taken some time to, to talk and process this. So I think it's time for our verdict, which... I'm thinking... Honestly, not, not haunted. haunted. Oh my gosh, I really didn't know what you were going to say. I didn't say. know what you were going to say either. Because <laughs> I'm torn. Like, there's, I am too. There's a lot uh, that's based in, in fact in, yeah. in, in a crime that took place at this location. But there's not a ton of like detail that we could until we unless we go visit like that's yeah. the thing like i am 100 percent dedicated if we ever get to go visit these locations oh, and we change our minds oh, you bet i would change my oh, verdict yeah totally but you totally. can't help but wonder it seems like there's lots of things like the the setting has been created right. recreated recreated and and kind of um staged staged and and curated to be this particular right. story which which i totally understand because uh, again like we 100 percent want to go and like mm. would love to do a tour of this place um but when things are curated like that i think it 
it takes a lot more history or a lot more happenings or stories for me without that personal experience to really fully buy in. Mm -hmm. And and the, the guy stabbing himself is obviously, we talked about that, there's a lot of questions. It's spooky, it's weird, it's creepy, but it was also an anomaly in in these many, many years of this house. Yeah. Happened in 2014, almost 100 years yeah. after. And and the, the family that lived there were not the ones who committed the crime. It's not like the dad killed people in the house, right. like many other stories. And, and so for me, it's like this outside force came in, did something horrific, which that that's that's terrible. And there's no doubting that there's something awful that happened there. But that was kind of an isolated incident. Right. And now 102 years later, one guy has not the same experience. Yeah, it's like the yeah. if, if there was the, the the like what we understand like from like ghostly presences of like the people that likely lived there none of them committed the murder right. so why on earth would, why would their they energies be that angry like they'd be angry maybe at, at dying sure yeah. but yeah but why would they want to hurt other people that had right. nothing to do with it it just yeah so so it i i feel like there just wasn't enough circumstantial evidence and things for me to 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 buy into it without a personal experience but i but i am torn because i mean we've we've definitely talked about the power of energies so i am torn we've done it before we've done it the honestly not haunted yeah with the inflection the mark. mark so we'll leave it as an honestly not haunted <laughs> question mark for now in the hopes that we get to go visit Missoula, yeah. Iowa. And again, we we are agreeing on all of these so far, which is so fascinating. I'm looking me. for I'm interested to see which one it'll be where we'll we be like. the one where we decide against <laughs> each other. I can't wait to figure out what that one is. If you guys have any that like you have fought with friends over about <laughs> tell Let us, us know. We would totally love to do a deep dive and see where we land. For sure. <laughs> But thanks again for listening to another episode. We'll be back in two weeks with more. But in the meantime, please like our Facebook if you haven't already. Uh, talk to us. Send us an email. Write to us on Facebook. We also have Twitter. Um, yeah. We so have Twitter. We do have Twitter. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> it's uh, honestly haunted. Uh, so we have a Twitter. I didn't know. Um, I don't think I mentioned that before, but I started as a Twitter. Thanks. So we have a Twitter now. Like us on Twitter. Tweet at us. Tweet with us. Um, go to our webpage. Tell your friends. Leave us a review if you're so inclined. We want to hear from you. And until then... We'll see you in two weeks with more Honestly Haunted. Thank you.